0: Righto, kia ora, and welcome to Talk Story with your host Dave Duan. And here I am in the Auckland studio today at the Crown Plaza with nine sleeps to go before my isolation ends. And joining me from Colorado is one Matt Hurley, uh, father, husband, and sports coach, and all-round good guy. Welcome, Matt. Thanks, Dave. Pleasure hey, to be here. Yes, yeah, good, to, good to talk, good to see you. So today's title is "On the Wilder Side of Life," and one might ask, why is that? Well, mainly because Matt's son Wilder was born. How old is Matt? How old is Wilder now?
1: Saturday, he'll be three months.
0: Good God, that's amazing. Now yeah. to Lauren, and uh, let, before we get, um, let's go back before Wild. Let's go pre Wilder days, maybe your Wilder days, and tell me um, where were you born?
1: So I was born in in outside of Belfast, Maine, small coastal uh, town in 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 Maine, um, population. Five thousand, seven thousand. Now it's it's quite a tourist destination. Um, kind of what you think about when you <clears throat> think about a nice main, you know, seaside community village.
0: So it yeah. must be must be a good Irish connection with the name Belfast.
1: There is, yeah, and I, I think we I think the town was obviously named after Ireland. And um, I actually have a number of relatives on my on my mom's side from. From Dublin and Belfast area. Seriously?
0: Oh, with oh, well, the Hurley, of course. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. It's a good And
1: Costello. Thing. Actually, the, the Hurleys, too, but my, my mom's maiden name's Costello. There you go. And yeah, those were the, the folks from Belfast. Ever been there? I've not. No, we, no. we actually really want to go and, <clears throat> and plan to. Just who knows, might be 2030 at this point, Dave. I
0: oh, know, Well, my, my family's from Tipperary, down Limerick way. So hopefully, I was supposed to be going there next year. Because be, I was supposed to be racing in Challenge Rope and then going to do to uh, d'Huez Triathlon. But I don't think that's going to happen somehow. Yeah. So what school did you go to? What, what was your primary school or your first school?
1: Uh, college in the university? No,
0: no, no, when you were six and seven.
1: Ah, uh, uh, six and seven. Geez, so Nickerson Elementary. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was lots of kickball. <clears throat> um, probably around that time I realized I was an, endur- it was more of an endurance athlete. Uh, you know, you realize in the playground, like what, what you're suited for. Um, sprinting was, yeah, I wasn't terrible, but I certainly wasn't, you know, mowing them down out in the, uh, in the playground. Um, yeah. And so I was swimming early. I a swim background. So my mom, there's lots of li- rivers and lakes and obviously the ocean in, in, in Maine. So my mom was both my parents worked full time. So, keeping me busy. And, and you know, i always says trying to, you know, her biggest fear was me drowning. So she got us on the team team. Like, yeah. So you, what
0: did you, what did you folks do, Matt? What uh, were they doing when you were growing up work wise?
1: So my dad, um, is, and was an artist. Um, and he was also um, a teacher. He just retired. Um, and he's doing more and more art and these days. He does commission pieces, but also very large murals. Um, 60, 80 feet um, wow. um, by commission for, you know, the state of Maine or different schools or private clients. Um, it's pretty, you know, we have a farmer's market that's in our, in our hometown and he's done like giant chickens <laughs> um, and, you know, pieces of lettuce, like on this, on this massive old warehouse. It's, it's oh, pretty that's me- cool. Um, my mom is a chef, uh, and they owned a restaurant when I was growing up, her and my, and my, my whole family actually, but my, my mom and my grandmother were the primary owners and they did that for probably 15 years. And that was, from the time I was five or six to, you know, through high school, that was a really formative experience for me. And I, you know, my parents worked really, really hard. Um, and, and my mom, especially being the restaurant industry. And, um, unfortunately that didn't work out, but it, you know, it certainly um, taught me a lot and, and gave me a, a ton, of, ton of respect for my parents and, and what hard work looked like. And now that I'm a father, yeah, uh, I just look back and go,
0: how How did, did they, they do that? <laughs> <laughs> That's <crazy>. great. <laughs> so, hey, you got any siblings?
1: I do. I have an older brother, Christopher. Um, he's 38. I'm 36 and a younger brother, William, who's 28.
0: So going back to... Um, yeah, the restaurant world. I mean, having worked a little bit at Lava Java, it is a tough lot. Did you actually work in the restaurant as well? I did. I grew up in kitchens.
1: So my first job was washing dishes. Um, and I worked in kitchens probably till I was 22 or 23. Um, and was around food service and catering until, you know, kind of until my 30s. But it's, it's a tough life and you really have to love food, um, and love serving people. And I, I you know, in that sense that that's not something that I would say brought me joy in the, in the same way my mother did. And, and I really, I really, I knew just enough and you know, I'm grateful because I, because I do have a lot of, of skills in the kitchen now, which, um, you know I can cook for my wife and we cook dinner together and, and, and for family and things. Um, but man, it is tough work. And, and tough work, All right, and people that do it for a living, it's, it's just not an easy life because it's, you know, restaurants are, are, are late hours, late nights.
0: Um, yeah, I did uh, because Lava Java's been the business has been slow because there's been no tourists. They, we cut staff, we cut hours. And they said to me, Would you mind filling in? I said, Yeah, what do you want me to do? We need a dishwasher. So, dude, I was washing dishes four nights a week, you know, like five and a half hour shifts, just scrubbing my butt off and just going, it was, um, that's a hard job. I I I prefer hosting. I have to, or even bussing yeah. tables is better than washing dishes. Thank so God, bless yeah, you.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's humbling
0: work for sure. Oh, yeah. Back of the house. Yeah, there's back of house. Yeah. <laughs> hey, tell me. So, when you were at school, were you naturally academic or you're more sporting inclined?
1: So I was always I was always drawn to sports. Um, you know, from young age, my mom, neither of my parents are athletes. And and, and I think my uncle on my mom's side was, a was great track athlete in high school, but really, and my grandmother, you know, even though in, you know, her growing up in the forties, it wasn't, you know, in Pennsylvania, it wasn't like there was outlets for female athletics, but she was very progressive and played basketball and, and, and was a great athlete. Um, didn't have that, those outlets obviously. Um, but yeah, my mom just said, you know, uh, uh I saw bikes, I guess, in a store or something. And, you know, I was riding a bike by the time I was three without, without training wheels and, wow. uh, and, and I just always loved movement. You know, you put me in a pool running, you know, cycling, um, you know, I played baseball, hockey, you know, I played pretty much every sport up until sixth or seventh grade when I started to specialize a little more in, in <clears throat> and, uh, and
0: really swimming and running at that time. So the you said you, so is Maine, that's, is that water, open water cold? It must be freezing.
1: Yeah. I mean, you get, you get a, you get about two months of, of, of great open water swimming. Um, although the lakes, you can go a little bit longer. Um, and there's certainly, I mean, with the wetsuit, like now, I mean, oh, you, could say, swim, yeah. you could swim open water and it's getting, you know, sort of the end of the season right now, I would say. Um, yeah. Okay. October. Yeah. Um, I mean beginning of October but yeah, you know, we certainly didn't open water swim I was in, I was a pool swimmer okay. um growing up you know and that's you know we played lakes and rivers and oceans and you know like recreated but not and it was there was no sort of in Maine is sort of an interesting play I guess it's not quite the same anymore but really uh there wasn't you know of course there's football there's baseball there's you know uh, you know even swimming and cross country were like kind of the sports that everyone, that kids did who weren't athletic or didn't, you know, couldn't, you know, play baseball or whatever. It was kind of a default yeah, yeah. Um, sport, which you know, wasn't the case for me. I, I really did enjoy it. Um, although if I were 6'5", and, you know, could, you know, <laughs> basketball, I, I probably would have enjoyed that too. Um, yeah,
0: I reckon. So what was your so favorite?
1: Was, you know, there wasn't exposure. What I was saying, there wasn't nah. exposure to like triathlon and no. you know the things that I see in Boulder for kids growing up mountain biking and things like that. That just wasn't wasn't yeah. on my radar. Like I and that is one of the things I, I miss. Like I, I feel like if I did, if I was exposed to more endurance sports and, and that you know, and that sort of lifestyle earlier, um,
0: yeah. But you you were more of a individualistic athlete rather than a team player. <sighs> yeah, except I did, you know,
1: I've, I love the aspect of team sports um, in the, in the community. Right. Uh, you know, I did love baseball. I, I loved, you know, played a lot of pond hockey growing up I um, you know, and even the swim team, like there's so much, you know, of course you're spending a lot of time in the pool, but there's so many away meets where you're with kids and, yeah. and I yeah, but but I would say I am drawn more naturally to to individual sports where um, it's an, it's almost meditative for me. Yeah, uh, and I don't know if that's just forced practice from from swimming and and and, and really now that's just what I enjoy. But um, you know, I do love going out on group and, and it's actually something I miss and try and bring into my life a little more. Is you know I don't I don't now that I'm on such a schedule I don't have. You know, even I'm in Boulder. I don't like go running with people all the time. You know, most of the stuff is on my own, and I, and I really do miss those um, mm. those outlets of you know,
0: okay.
1: of having you know socialization with yeah. with other monkeys out there.
0: I know. I'll talk about Lauren later on, but I know with um, with mums or moms, um, they they crave adult conversations because all they do is spend the time with themselves and the babies. And yeah, uh, even with even as you know, little kids, three and four or five year olds. Hey, going back to your swimming though. So, what was your favorite stroke? So,
1: I was really an Um so individual medley. It's all the strokes, uh, and we had a sm- we had a great high school program. We had a great high school program growing up. So, my four, we won, we won three stamped state championships while I was while I was in school, and I think three of those years. I won an individual state championship and one was backstroke, one was breaststroke, and I think the other was IM. Um uh, but I could I could swim and and I did swim uh, most of the strokes equally. Um, and then when I went to college, we were in a small program again. And, and I, so I was basically a utility guy. I could swim anywhere. So it was like, okay, I can swim free or, you know, and it just ended up being we'd go into state meets and it'd be like, okay, this is the best chance for us to, for Matt to win an event. And, you know, I might swim that. And it was the same at college. Like I went to swim to, to Wheaton and ended up specializing in breaststroke because we had a small team and uh, didn't have any breaststrokers um, and had a, but you know, I probably would have been better suited to distance freestyle. Um, and, and and I am, but we, you know. I, mm. So it's just, hey, and that so was the nice thing about team sports is, you know, it was. Yeah.
0: Like, Where's like, Wheaton?
1: So it's about thirty forty minutes outside Boston. It's actually a little bit closer to Providence, Rhode Island, in okay. okay. a little town called Norton, Massachusetts.
0: So what what were you studying there? Political science. Really.
1: Well, studying so- strong studying is a strong word, Dave. <laughs>
0: I <laughs> know, right, regrettably, regrettably. <laughs> regrettably, but did you, did you, enjoy your time at Wheaton?
1: Yeah, I, I really did. Um, certainly I have, uh, a lot of regrets of, of not, yeah, you know, I, I just don't think I was like, like, I guess a lot of 18 year olds going in. Um, I know, I think I lacked a lot of maturity. And so, you know, I was doing the typical, like I was there to have a good time. Yeah. Um, of course I, you know, I've, I've, um, I do like academics and subjects that interest me. I, I, I excel at um, other subjects, not so much. But, you know, looking back, it's a really rare time to be in an environment where you have access to not only a community of people trying to to learn and, and, and grow and um, these incredible students, some of them going on to be Fulbright scholars or whatever it is, uh, incredible teachers. And, and now I look back and go, God, what I wouldn't.
0: Yes, I know. You have
1: to go back and, and and have that experience with a little more maturity and 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 being able to take advantage of some of those offerings that a school like that has. And you know, unfortunately I was, you know, I was obviously swimming and, and doing the school thing, but I was I was partying quite a bit too. And to say I took studying seriously was is, you know.
0: Did your I folks would... have an influence over what college you went to? So
1: my brother actually went to Wheaton. Um and that was, that ended up being the deciding factor for me. Um, so, I mean, my, my, my dad went to two years of college. My mom didn't go to college. So it was just always a big thing. Like even growing up, I remember like, you know, yeah. it was definitely the goal for, for, <clears throat> for us to be able to go to college. Um And we didn't have a ton of money growing up. So Wheaton ended up being, uh, you know, we weren't fast enough to get a scholarship full ride to a swimming scholarship, like a, you know, Florida state or anything, but because of our financial situation, we was able to, you know, we were D three swimming program, but because we were great swimmers, we were able to get into the school. And because we got into the school, they were able to give us financial aid because, you know, we, we certainly weren't coming from Phillips, Phillips, Exeter, or, you know, um, Mm, gotcha. and most of the kids I went to school with were 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 very affluent.
0: D D three is not bad
1: though, Matt. No, it's not, and it's gotten so much faster. I mean, routinely now you see, you know, the top kids that are winning nationals And Division three are are qualifying for Olympic trials. You know, they're faster than uh, the the top D three programs are faster than nearly all the D two programs, and 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 many of the Division one outside of you know in swimming, it's a very it's stratospheric, right? You have Stanford, which is an Olympic feeder program, and you know uh, Florida and Auburn in these just massive programs that are literally their 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 swimmers are winning gold medals while they're at college. And then there's you know there's a there's obviously a subcategory to that, some USCLA schools and, and and great programs, um, but those kids are just operating on a on, on a on a different level. Um, yeah.
0: What were you, what were some some of your times, your best times when you were swimming? Do you remember, like for a hundred or a hundred yards? I suppose is not meters though, isn't it?
1: Yeah. So my hundred yard, my my best time in college, I think was. And I didn't swim this open event, so I think my best time in a relay was like forty seven forty seven one. I almost broke forty seven again. I, yeah, that's that's a relay, but yeah, you know, I don't think I ever swam an open hundred freestyle in. I think I broke 50 in, in high school. I was a 2 0 oiem yards in, in high school and 157, I think, in, in college. I was 1-0-O breaststroker. Mm. Uh, That's amazing. 210, 200 breaststroke. So, yeah, I was, I was good. But, you know, it's amazing. Like, you look like kids are yeah. how fast it gets after you leave. It's just every year. It's just levels up, I levels know. up it's really incredible to see
0: i read that book uh gold in the water for the u.s 2000 olympics in sydney and for the u.s team and the 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 split seconds that people just missed out on it's so competitive isn't it It it's just so competitive and people's lives hang on the balance don't they
1: yeah he it's i mean it's crazy obviously like you said you have these stories of olympic glory and then for every one of those it's Someone that moved, you know, when you hear yesterday, a Brazilian guy moved. The parents moved from the U.S. when he was 12 so he could be in this competitive swim program. He went to Auburn, you know, and missed the Olympic team by one hundredth of a second. Oh, yeah.
0: God, mate, Break broke like, your heart. Well, no. Yeah, and
1: that was the second Olympics, and it's like, it's over. And there's, <laughs> for every person that's on the
0: team, <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. there's 10 of those stories. Yeah, I know, sitting in the locker room crying your eyes out. So when when did when you left college? What did you do? And how old were you when you did did you just do the four years, or did you do longer or less, or what?
1: So I did the five year program. Okay. Um, well, I guess I did the four year program because I was asked to leave after three years because of my grades. <laughs> uh, <laughs> luckily, they let me come back, uh, and I actually had to go back and you know a number of years later and, and take Spanish and math to to finish okay. my degree at Wheaton. Um, so I think technically I'm a I'm a class of 2015 uh, <laughs> graduate.
0: Nice. And the political science would be quite handy around now, wouldn't it? Um, what did What did you do when you left uh, college anyway?
1: So uh, when I left college, um, I uh, I moved out to California, um, and and you'll obviously know this day, but part of my story is is, is lots of issues with addiction and, and and drug and alcohol abuse when I was, you know, from my, my late teens into, into college and into my twenties. And, and uh, I won't get into the the, Not. the deep details, but I but I ended up serving three years in, in prison for um, for a drug offense. Um that was related to some stuff I was doing in college that I that I obviously shouldn't have been doing. Um, but it ended up uh, honestly saving my life. And so, you know, back it up to high school and the drinking, and the partying, I would say was, you know, growing up for me, it was, a, it was doors were open. And, and as, as I got older, um, it, was, it was the feeling of different opportunities and different doors closing for me um, as I more and more chose, um, if you can call it choice, uh, drugs and alcohol um, and that more and had a larger and larger role in in, in my life and, and when I moved out to California, the idea was oh i 'm getting away from this and obviously that 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 doesn't usually work, and that certainly wasn 't the case for me um, but yeah when i when I got arrested, I was actually in a pretty dark place, and um, you know interestingly, I was arrested for something that was you know five years old at the time uh, you know it's a conspiracy drug charge, but it ended up removing me from this really. Awful position that I that I would, had been in currently. Um, I'm using heroin, and, and, and you know I, I don't know if I'd be alive today um, if that didn't happen. And it was kind of like I just got put in timeout. And uh, you know I remember I remember you know I'm not uh, I would say I am spiritual. I'm I'm not um, you know I'm not Christian in the sense of you know praying to a omnipotent you know or or, or one God. But I remember praying to you know, for help. And, and that was the, you know, it ended up being U S marshals that I oh, yeah. <laughs> came and gave me the help I needed. Um, and so when I got out, I think I was 30 and, and that's when I really got into endurance sports. And that was a, a really big Haven for me. So, you yeah, know, I've been sober since, you know, since that time I was arrested and, um, Yeah, ever since then, endurance and and, and being able to go back to swimming and running and cycling and and things like that as an outlet, along with, you know, my program and
0: recovery um, has been massive for me. There was a wilder side of life, mate. So tell me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's ironic. It's so so cool. Good story. I know we've talked about this before, but we'll just move on there. So let's talk about coaching. How did you get into coaching and why did you get into coaching? Why did I get into coaching? Um,
1: well, it's interesting. I have always been a coach. I think, um, I've always loved to help other people. Um, and I wouldn't have called it coaching when I was young, but when I was on the swim team, I would, I'd be on deck. And I just remember watching great swimmers and dissecting great swimmers and, and dissecting great performance. Um, and watching people's movements how they carried themselves mimicking other great swimmers Um, and I guess you would call that mimicry at that time it wasn't you know but I also I I remember the impact that great coaches whether it was cross-country or or mentors and you, you obviously wouldn't have called it mentors at the time when you're you know but kids that I looked up to that helped me um you know helped me with my stroke whatever it might be or or were role models in some way you just realize what an impact that has on on, on your growth and development and in children's obviously in in general um and so i remember wanting you know very clearly giving that back like oh these people like the you know there's this great swimmer who actually went on to break you know he was eight years old and we were at the high school and he was swimming and it was with his parents at a, like an open swim one day. And I was like, wow, your kid is a really good swimmer. And we, you know, we ended up striking up a conversation and I think I was 10 at the time, you know, but I recruited this kid who was, you know, probably six to to come be on the swim team. And he ended up being, you know, one of the best swimmers to ever come out of the state of Maine, um, broke all my records <laughs> from high school. Uh, and he's still a great friend to this day. So um You know, and the same with running and cycling, like I've just always, I've always tried to absorb selfishly, you know, to be a better athlete Uh, to any information that I can. I've always been fascinated by what the new science is, what, you know, what different coaches are practicing in in, in different methodologies. Okay, what's working, um, what's behind certain athletes performance, Um, you know, so that was really the interest for me was always there. Um, how I got into it was, you know, I basically was teaching a spin class, uh, in, in Portland, Maine and, and doing some triathlon, like small triathlon coaching on the side. Cause I'd started doing triathlon and like every person who does triathlon, they think they can coach. And, yeah.
0: um,
1: and some of them can right? that to be fair. Um, some, some, some of them can't, uh, but, um, I ended up teaching some comp trainer classes, and and through a long chain of events, I, I ended up in in visiting San Francisco to visit uh, Maine natives uh, Sarah Pampiano, um, who was training in in under Purple Patch and living in San Francisco, and she had actually come to do a triathlon like talk at a local club, and and so I got to meet her, and she was like, yeah, if you ever come out to San Francisco and uh, come train with us, you know, and and so I actually. Yeah, you know, emailed her and she, you know, said, "Hey, anytime, like you can come tag along on any training." And this is the time I was probably 31, and I was still harboring delusions of of, of becoming a pro athlete at the time. Um, you know, not to say I couldn't have become a pro athlete, but I just wouldn't have. I just would it, that ship had sailed for me to be all that good. Yeah. So I'm glad I chose the coaching angle. Um, and yeah, I met Matt Dixon in probably 2016, and. You know, he off the cuff offered me, you know, said something about an internship. And, uh, yeah, I started working remotely for them in 2016 on, 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 a couple different products. So there was a time there was this custom program project was you know, for lack of a better phrase, a generic coaching platform. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of the, both the customer facing like, um, Q and a and, 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 um, questions and then also some of the back end stuff um and then that, that obviously led to a um you know next the next things at purple patch as we evolved as a company and and um i ended up started coaching one-to-one athletes after about a month i mean sorry sorry a year there and um yeah i worked for purple patch for almost four years um, and that's really where i cut my teeth for for lack of a better phrase and you know learned you know, a ton from Matt Dixon, a ton from, uh, many other coaches. Um, yeah, also, you know, always pushing the bound, you know, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you know, I'm trying to read about it. Um, I'm certainly not an expert. I'm not an exercise physiologist. Um, but, um, I, I do try and collaborate with as many coaches as possible. Um, and, you know, and, and interested not only in in what great coaches are doing but what great leaders are doing and um you know that's the fun part for me is um you know i i get to help people on a daily basis and and that service model of um uh, helping other people is something that's really really invaluable to my sobriety and, and my mental health and um you know i would say 50% of my job has nothing to do with you know athletics, it's its all around the surrounding mindset or, or, or lifestyle changes or, you know, whatever these, whatever the individual athletes needs are outside of sport, which obviously relate to performance in, in, in sport and life. So,
0: mm, yeah, it kind yep. of seems that, that when you use the word dissecting, it seems to me that you have an eye for detail. You can see someone in the lane or on the bike or running so you can you can actually analyze form. But you also seem to have a mind that is great for analytical stuff and putting things together and and, and making things easy for people to understand. So it's kind of like when you said you're at college, square, pear, ground, hole, But now you've found what you like to do and love to do. So it's a, 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 maybe a gift in some ways.
1: Yeah, I mean, I certainly look at it as like a, a, a gift that I get to... Um do this for a living that i can you know now work from home and i work with pro athletes i work with um you know older athletes younger athletes developing athletes uh the range is incredible right and every one of those people presents unique challenges and 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 learning experiences for me as a coach but yeah it's it's so much more than you know obviously it's remote Uh, unfortunately i don't get to see as many of my athletes in the pool as I'd like. And and that's something I really would like to build in the future is a, is a robust community here in Boulder um, where we have sort of a training crew where I can, I can yeah. watch people. Cause I think that is, you know, that is the heart of coaching, being able to interact and see athletes, especially for the high performance set
0: absolutely uh, yeah. that
1: community. it's just, it's just invaluable. And we do so much of our training alone. If you can get a, a group yeah. swimmer.
0: Yeah, I agree. So what, um, I know with people Pets they use today's plan, but do do you use training peaks as your platform or what do you use?
1: I do. I use training peaks. Yeah. I I like, I found, I found today's plan to be uh, useful in some of their analytics. There's, there's some, there's some things that training peaks doesn't offer, but ultimately I think the fact that nine, you know, whatever the market share is, most athletes are familiar with training peaks. I find that, the the ux and the, the the user experience to be far superior in training peaks it's simpler yeah i agree um, and you know I, I don't know what today's plan end game is like i i don't know if they're you know trying yeah. to build community or be you know training peaks is is training peaks it's like it's it's a training delivery platform um
0: and they and, offer a lot more though don't they for the coaches, there's there's. Um... I mean, there's costs money, but you can do the the university stuff as well. You can do the power stuff. It's a lot more. I think they're putting yeah. this endurance summit on, um, in November, I think it is. So they're doing a lot more, I think. Better. Yeah, I
1: know they're super engaged in that. end. I, I, I guess I just meant from a, you know, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the space because, I I certainly think today's plan is you know and and they've got a great some great minds behind their their platform Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the next five years and you know if i had if i were just working with pro athletes i'd probably use golden cheetah today's plan and training peaks but for for my intents and purposes uh yeah training peaks is
0: yeah simple and simple and effective it is simple and yeah it's a bit more intuitive too so tell me black sheep endurance project yeah because you are the black sheep of the family
1: yeah exactly so uh, lauren my my wife and i uh, lauren goss who's now taken my last name but she was a pro athlete and um had a little bit of a dust up herself with ended up ended up testing positive for thc due to some 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 lotions she was using it ended up being this really raw and bad experience for her to and it's and it's why she left the sport um but so we were both like kind of trying to to figure out like okay what what's an appropriate name and i think we had you know boulder community triathlon or you know we, yeah. we had a gamut of endurance you know whatever and 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 yeah i think i, I actually came up with the name and it's stuck and and we like it
0: so, it's a good other i I can re- resonate with me, mate, because I was also the black sheep of my family. Oh, holy crap. So it's a good name. It's
1: funny. And we, we have international athletes and, and some, you know, some are in France and they're like, oh, in France, it's a black duck.
0: You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the, I, guess, I think there's the, different
1: animals for different countries.
0: I think this sport does attract a lot of black sheep because it is, uh, it is individualistic. And I think it, 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 um, it's, it's so good in so many different ways. So just going back to Lauren for a second. So she won a lot of 70.3 races, didn't she?
1: Oh, yeah. She, she was a 70.3. I mean, she was great at the Olympic distance, too. I think she's you know, won St. Anthony's a number of times and, and Alcatraz. But her main, main discipline was 70.3 distance. And, I mean, she's won you know, 10, 10 plus 70.3 races. Yeah. Um, it was too bad she didn't get to race at World Championships because I certainly think she would have been yeah. you know, top 10 there at the very least.
0: Um, what about you? How many races did you win when you are doing triathlon? I uh, know you have podiums. I've seen photos somewhere of you standing on the number one.
1: I think I, well, I, you know, this depends. Are we counting like the local <laughs> sprint on Dave?
0: Just count everything. Like, it all counts.
1: <laughs> We've found everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've won. Uh, I, I would say I competed really seriously for one year. Um, okay. And that year I won 70.3 main. And I think I went close to four hours. And that was the, you know, I was training 15 hours a week and really getting into, uh, you know, training, you know, I wouldn't say it was all consuming, but I was certainly very focused. Um, and yeah, and then the next year I met Lauren, and it was really just a shift of priorities for me to, yeah, to be yeah. competitive at, at, at an age group level. Yeah. Um, at this point in, in, in triathlon, is I would say most of the guys in the, in the top, most of the guys on the podium are living a professional lifestyle. They're working part time. If they're not working part time, they're certainly not, uh, raising kids, you know, or, you know, or maybe they have, you know, nannies or whatever. I just, I don't know how you can train 20 hours a week and, and have balance, have, have, have balance in your marriage and have balance, um, with a family. I, I just don't know how those things can coexist. Um, I'm not saying they can't, but I certainly couldn't do it. And and I think that's what it takes to be at the top end of of the amateur um, pointy end of the stick is is you know around 20 hours a week, and and that's a lot of training for an amateur athlete, um, and far more than I'm willing to to invest at this point.
0: Speaking of marriage, you got, is it a year? Are you guys be married now or not?
1: Yeah, so our, our year anniversary was was September 28th. Um, so I think we're in the clear now.
0: Yeah. You know, it's all downhill now mate (laughs) so oh beer and skittles hey so going back to um the your coaching business now what's your i don't know if you got a philosophy or have you got a a way of communicating with people that's different from others or what do you bring to the table that would attract people to come and be apart from your skill your experience and your knowledge um are you looking for any particular type of person? Are you saying no to some people? How, how do you work?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. One, um, I, I don't think there's anything, uni- although I will touch on it, I don't know that there's anything unique that we do that, other, that I don't see other coaching organizations doing out there or great coaches doing. Um, we certainly try and emulate success and, and things that, you know, from, from mentors that I've seen that have done well, whether that's, you know, Dixon or whether, you know, Dan Lorang, and other coaches that we draw inspiration from. But I I think what, what we like to think sets us apart is, is our business model. And, you know, we coming from purple patch, um, which I saw, you know, there was multiple products, right. We had multiple coaches. There was, yeah you know, I think when I left, there were over five hundred athletes you know four hundred something on squad and a hundred plus one to one coached athletes and and there's content and there's podcasts and there's um, those things have a have a cost to me um, and it's not negative or positive it's just if you really want to coach and which is what we want to do, then uh, I feel it's in my athlete's best interest. And it's what interests me the most to singularly focus on that. We don't do a newsletter. We don't, you know, we have an Instagram. We don't even have a website now. Um, yeah. And, and not that this is intentional, right? We've actually had really, we are, you know, we set out and we said, we will never coach, you know, more than 50 athletes combined. And right now we're, I'm, I'm at 20 and Lauren's a little less than that. And we've actually stopped taking on athletes because we've reached this point with our son and in the business where we really feel like this is actually a good balance for us. And we still want to be able, you know, we invest in education every week, right? We're, you know, whether we're taking courses or, um, you know, doing, doing diligence on some topic that we, that we read about, um, that's a big part of what we do is, is continue to grow and continue to educate ourselves. And it's, it's really challenging to manage. I think more than, than, you know, if you have 20 athletes, that's 20 relationships. And, uh, that's that, you know, you know, unfortunately our business isn't scalable unless we take on, you know, another coach or something, but that's not what we want to do. Right. We always started out and we say, we just want to provide the best coaching we can. We want to work as hard as our athletes do. And we want to challenge ourselves, um, and, and, and be leaders in this industry. Um,
0: know mm, yeah. I, I like it I like it' it's simplification isn 't it I mean no website I just it 's just easy because it 's the relationship that 's the strength of the, of the business isn 't
1: it yeah exactly and it's and it really is spending you know spending time with your clients and, and your athletes and it gives us some flexibility like you know when we you know i wouldn 't say we cram every day full of um, training you know and 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 coaching you know we really are fresh and you know we have a great work-life balance it allows us to approach things with and talk about things and you know whether it's you know we have conversations about athletes or hey what's going on and dig into this we we have conversations you know with other coaches about when we get into roadblocks you know we listen to a podcast we're like let's reach out to this coach and have a conversation this is fascinating um And that's the, that's the stuff that you can't really, or maybe you can quantify it, but it's certainly not a monetary ad at the beginning. But also, I don't know why it, you know, I would have gone into finance if, if, if that were the, if, yes. if money endgame game for me. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, so the sun is just coming up, mate. It's uh, it's, Let's get a bit higher. but I like what you're talking about, Matt. When you say you're fresh, and I think that's a valid point because I'm not without pointing the finger. There's a lot of uh, coaching outfits and individuals that become so focused on the wrong thing, not the wrong thing, on different things within their business, and the athlete sometimes gets left behind. And so, but there are a lot of athletes out there who are looking for a coattail to hang on to. So some, so everyone's model is different, but uh, others, your one seems to suit you and Lawrence. So why not do it?
1: Yeah. And, you know, I will talk a little bit about, you know, our philosophy is, is really born out of experience of hers, you know, mine as an athlete and, you know, obviously we, we brought, we bring different perspectives, but um, look, triathlon is an aerobic sport and um, you've seen in the last 10 years, whether it's power meters or stride or anything, you know, the high intensity training and, you know, time starved athlete, yada, yada. And, you know, look, all these things, you know, and this is true in life. There's, there's rarely shortcuts. Um, and you know, we find that our athletes tend to tend to thrive with a good mix of, you know, intensity, but we are very careful in terms of, I would say prescribing high intensity training Um, what sort of effect that has on, you know, whether it's lactate building, whether it's, you know, VO two max. Um, And so really protecting our athletes um, in the spirit of, you know, really long-term development, but let's be real. It's the outputs at an Ironman or even a 70.3 are not all that intense. Um, It's a four, you know, it's a three and a half hour to, you know, 12 hour event, whatever it ends up being, these are, you know, um, to do that, you know, the, the challenge is always, you know, the metabolic piece for, for us that we find the aerobic piece and, 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 and developing that side of athletes and so many of athletes that we see come to us. Um, and this was my experience with purple patch too, not just, uh, but just come in totally shelled from high intensity training, you know, no, no aerobic foundation, you know, no yeah. No metabolic flexibility, no um, and all due to the fact that everyone likes to get on Zwift and, yeah. and everyone likes to train hard, right? I do. Yeah. And do. That, that works for about six weeks. So yeah,
0: we'll talk about challenges. Um, challenges at the moment would be I guess COVID's having an impact because you can't get out and do things. But what about the combination of COVID and Wilder and getting this life kind of balance you're trying to do? So what's it like right now with a three-month-old and, and COVID in the, in the world for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to put a thumb on, uh, on the impact COVID has had on us, um, I think. I think generally when Lauren and I have been able to step back and and we go, wow, this is really, this is really impactful. Um, you know, so I don't want to, I certainly don't want to minimize that stress because I do think it's, it's just this fatigue and, 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 but look, everyone is dealing with it. Um, and you know, I think our challenges for Lauren and I is, you know, we, you know, I left my job in July, we had a baby, we're newly married. Um, we're, we're still figuring out the, you know, how to be good partners. We're, we're figuring out how to be parents together, right? The, the, we're figuring out how to do this business. And I think that we see, you know, this is something we were talking about yesterday. We spend a lot of time together and, yeah. and, and we love each other and we're, we're, we're best friends, but that uh, there needs to be balance there too. And like, we're, you know, a lot of times we're around each other's you know, we're each other's social outlet. And yeah. uh, so finding those things that that work for us, and it's certainly hard, you know, we've gone through this transition of now we're parents, she's, she's obviously transitioned from this uh, totally focused, uh, professional athlete, structured, you know, her whole life, the last 10 years has been green boxes, um, you know, and parenting and and, and partnership is, <laughs> there's not a there's not a training peaks that you can that you for. It would be nice
0: right. we, should, we should invent that maybe um, maybe the heart rate monitor would be one thing you could... <laughs> <laughs> well
1: yeah i would be lying if i said it's easy um but look my experience with anything worthwhile in life is that it's it's the hard stuff and the worthwhile stuff is 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 not easy and and real change comes from from suffering, you know, and I don't mean that like an agony on the floor, but like discomfort and, and, and that is an impetus for, for growth and change. At least it always has been in my life. Um, And, you know, that's something we, we try and navigate together and we do really well when we, you know, are are respectful of each other and and kind and, you know, and I I wish, you know, I could say that happened every, every day. Um, But we, we, we get better and better at it, which is, which is the good part.
0: we're only human after all aren't we so talk about in you i mean i'm not going to go long distance future but future for the next few months maybe for the next 12 months what's it look like for you guys
1: yeah the next 12 months geez it's a tough question uh well like i said our, our business i think is um what we really want to do is continue to develop the relationships and, and athletes that we have. Um, we're, we're not, I guess at some point we'll do a website, um, because I I feel like it is necessary. So that's one thing on our business plan we've not done. Um, but we're not going to be adding a bunch of athletes. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny to say because everyone like, what's the, what's the goal? And I think our goal is like to, To continue to have balance and 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 do what we love to do which is be able to work and 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 go out and run and and obviously like both of us have been intentional around having jobs that allow us to raise our son you know we're in Colorado our families are you know across the country and um yeah we're certainly grateful and blessed to be able to to have that flexibility where it's a choice you know um, so I don't, you know, I think it really depends on COVID, you know, I know neither of us are, are, are will be racing uh, a triathlon anytime soon, at least, you know, competitively. Um, we're both running. She's back to running now. She's, you know, about three months out of, of birth. And so I'm still holding her off, Dave. I think I got another month before she catches me, but it's, it's
0: gonna be a sad day, right? my days are numbered, my friend. <laughs> uh, okay. So- let me just, I know you, I'm aware of time as well. So let me just think. Oh, so what I was going to ask Matt is maybe um, you guys are both so experienced and knowledgeable. What, what, would you consider doing um, just a like a video or phone call consulting kind of one-off things, or is that something you don't want to get into?
1: Ooh, that's an interesting question. So um, part of the, um, part of what I love about coaching is, is the, the, I get to talk to different people with different perspectives um, and different challenges. Um, You know, Lauren and I had this really rich experience, which is, which has formed, you know, or reinforced my, my, my belief in in giving back is, you know, we were struggling and, you know, Dan Lorang, we, reached out to Dan LeRang on Instagram and, and he's, for anyone who doesn't know, he coaches, you know, Jan Ferdano and Annie Hogg and, you know, the Hans Hansgrove cycling team. He is, he is the leader uh, in the world of endurance sports right now, the absolute pinnacle. Um, we messaged him on Instagram and said, Hey, can we pay for a consult? And he said, no, I, I, but I'd love to have a conversation with you guys. And, you know, and he said, Oh, I'm very busy. Like, you know, gave us some times and, gave us an hour of his time where he just we just chatted about our different challenges with athletes and and different things to think about and you know at the end mm-hmm. of the conversation said right. I learned as much from these conversations as you and and you know the importance of giving back and um so if there's any coaches out there um you know that have questions or or athletes um message us on Instagram we're we're always glad you know I don't want to get, I'm not going to go through your fuel strategy for an Ironman with you, but you know, I, I will certainly, you know, because I can't write without knowing you as an athlete, but I will certainly help and give back where I can. Um, and, 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 but let's be honest, do you have to be, um, I won't even call it selfish. You have to be protective of your time as well, because if you give too much to, you know, um, so those but, things
0: are balanced. So you're very good on big picture. Oof, I, I, I No some seriously when we when we've talked before and stuff you you're good on big picture you kind of you can get to the heart of the matter quite quickly after a few questions which is which is good it's a skill I think that a lot of people would value maybe not yet but maybe next year when things are settled down a little bit so we'll just see
1: oh yeah so I do and I guess I will agree with you there Dave so thank you uh um, <laughs> not to see my own horn, but most, in I will say this in endurance sports, our experience with athletes, and like I'll just say my experience with athletes, when I start talking to someone about training or when I take on a new athlete, usually the first things I uncover have nothing to do with, like, of course, the training part is like, okay, maybe there's some too hard, but like, what are the foundational habits, right? What's the sleep like? And, yes. <laughs> you know, okay, are they, are they broken sleep at night? Okay, maybe Okay, what's going on here, Right okay, what's, what are their and, and, and more so I'd say this is the biggest thing is what are their eating habits, right? Like simply how many calories are you eating a day? And, 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 and I hate to ask that question, but I, I would say in my experience around 80% of endurance athletes under eat and under fuel and don't fuel to the, you know, the requirements of training and therefore are not performing optimally or not sleeping optimally or not performing at their job optimally. Right. And, and this can, you know, and this can, I'm not a nutritionist. Right. So I, I do stay big picture, but I do some big things like how much protein are you getting in? Okay. That's a big bucket for me. And look, here's your BMR. If you know, and you're exercising this, you burn 1500 calories today. your BMR is 2000. And you've eaten 2000 calories today. So you're, you're, you know, you're a thousand calories down. It's and, and how, how many athletes are, are missing the mark by, uh, you know, uh, A country mile yeah it is unbelievable so i would say foundational habits for athletes are 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 sort of the biggest and most important things to get right um because so many of us do it wrong and this includes myself and you know it's i've made all the mistakes and um
0: yeah yeah. and all that stuff comes back around to the relationships, either with partners, with kids, with, with fathers, sisters and brothers who might be in that whole relationship thing. So vital, isn't it? So, yeah. Um, dude, we're going we're to wrap this up uh, uh, with what I call my fast five or maybe seven or eight, depends how it goes. So what are your favorite? This is about your favorites. Okay. So what's your favorite time of day? Morning. Excellent. What, what when you say morning, how early?
1: Well, like the ideal more, like I'm up for sunrise for a run or so. I mean, the best days are like I'm in a pool and the sun is rising or I'm like out for a morning jog and the sun rising. How often that happens these days? Not, not very often. But like I was, up, I was up with my coffee this morning, you know, for sunrise and, you know, I, I tend to be most productive in the mornings. And if I have a productive morning, then the rest of my day ends up, you know, pretty okay.
0: well. Best place to holiday or vacation? Oh, home there you go favorite running shoe i hate to say it but nikes uh favorite race venue for either you or lauren
1: oh i'm sure we would differ on this because lauren has raced around the globe and um my favorite race venue let's see Jeez. probably probably I, I did ironman tahoe it was my first ironman um they no longer have it so this is my this, this is my plug to to the powers to be at Iron Man to, to bring back Iron Man to
0: oh. <laughs> our favorite music. Now I know when we were um on camp together, I, I introduced you to um my favorite music station, RDU in Christchurch. But apart from that, what's your favorite music?
1: <laughs> oh, geez, Such a tough one. Um yeah, you know, I'm a little bit eclectic, like you know, I, I love folk. I could, you know, I, I wouldn't say I like rock to Bob Dylan or anything, but um Certainly not a modern. Certain, certainly 90, 90s and prior, right? You know, so like, I, you know, I can get down with Audio Slave or,
0: Ooh.
1: you know, some some older bands. But this these days, I you know, I am not listening to a ton of music, honestly. Probably children's songs are so <laughs> yeah, Actually, the thing that's stuck in my head: we have this rock and crib, and it, it's this
0: digital ding
1: ding ding, and that's like <laughs> plays in my head all the
0: It's horrific. Okay. Two real fast ones. Favorite uh, NBA team? NBA? Yeah.
1: <sighs> Got to be the Celtics. Ooh. Although I'm not a basket, I'm not a basketball guy. But who who are you picking
0: for the finals? LA. I mean,
1: LA for sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. NFL team?
1: I would have said the Patriots in the past, uh, but uh, but I'm a Tom Brady fan, so now I'm I'm, I'm a Bucks fan. Right. Um, and here's my 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 thing. Yeah. I used to be this massive sports fan for, you know, the red so- I was Boston, you know, led, you know, Red Sox, Patriots, Celtics, Bruins, and ultimately one, we don't a lot of championships And that, you know, I won't say it gets old cause it is magical, but at a certain point you realize you're, you're rooting for, you know, a corporation <laughs> uh, and that sort of takes the st- the sweetness out of it for me. So I, I've really ended started to follow players and, and, and the ones I respect or love to watch move, um, you know, rather than blind, you know, loyalty to a certain organization.
0: I know your favorite rugby team in the world is the uh, New Zealand All Blacks, so that's a given. It sure <laughs> is. <laughs> They're playing this weekend, actually. They're playing Australia in a in a test match, so it's going to be quite good to watch that. Right, I met Hurley. Yes, this has been great, mate. Thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. And uh, if anyone want to get, if anyone does want to get hold, of they can just go through um, black sheet
1: yeah so we're black sheep um, underscore ep on instagram we're also uh black sheep endurance at gmail.com uh someday we'll have a website um but yeah look us up on instagram if you have any questions or you know want to okay. chat
0: perfect mate so i'm gonna wrap this up and but i'll don't go because i'm gonna come back to you i'll, I'll just do my little ending as as a professional. So, uh, mate, thanks so much for your time. And, I, hopefully, I'll go, I do need to get to Boulder at some stage. And maybe next year because I've got a few people I want to see over there. So, um, thanks, mate. And going to sign off with, uh, as usual, with much Aloha and we'll talk again soon.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, Dave. Great chat. Yeah.